0: best seat in the house is right here watching you guys worship the Lord. I'm going to tell you I'm a crier. My name is Caleb. I have the privilege of being the worship pastor here at Reach Church. We're pretty new. My wife Phoebe and my kids uh, Gabe and Emily. We moved all the way from South Georgia. We've been here for about three months and uh, we are very excited about what God is doing here at Reach Church. So thankful to be here in a little old Blair. I grew up small town. I grew up. I was pretty much a sports I was an athlete and I played lots of sports, but as time has went on, I'm not really much of a sports fan anymore. And I moved to Nebraska. <laughs> I mean the staff kinda held it against me there for a little bit. But I'm starting to realize that there's something different about Nebraska fans. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah, you guys just don't quit. Regardless of how the seasons are going, and even yesterday, somehow, after 122 seasons, you guys still find some way to do 375-plus sellouts time after time after time. So I may not be a sports fan. I may not really have a team. But if I were going to pick a team, it would be Nebraska Cornhuskers football. Now, it would be an opinion to say that Nebraska has the best fan base, but actually there are some statistics to back that up. Look at that. 375 straight sellouts since all the way back to 1962. Does anybody remember when the last championship was won? National championship. Does anybody remember? 1997? Does anybody know how many championships, national championships the Cornhuskers actually have? Five? Five? They don't, have, they don't really have a bad record 874 wins, 380 losses And 37 ties I guess ties are still a number 43 conference championships Does anybody know how many people sit In Nebraska Cornhusker Stadium? Almost 81,000 See if I would have said sellouts And there was 20 people You'd be like oh, that's not a big deal But year after year I don't even remember when the last time they've had a winning season. I didn't even look at that number. It was kind of discouraging, you know? But year after year, Nebraska fans jump into the stadium. They cast all of their feelings aside, their preferences, their circumstances, and even the team's previous week's performance, and they still shout, what? Go Big Ray. Why? Why? <laughs> Why in the world would we do that week after week, season after season? It gets tough. But for some reason, you guys still stick it out over and over again. You refuse to let your feelings dictate the worth of the football team, right? No matter how bad they are. No matter how many times they mess up, even in the middle of the game, you can be down to multiple touchdowns and you're still like, we got a chance. Because you refuse to let the circumstances right there in the moment dictate the worth of the team because they're worth it, right? I pay the money. I, I drive the drive. I show up. I sit in the horrible Nebraska weather. I'm from South Georgia. I'm on the beach. Okay. But you guys sit there bundled up rooting over and over again because you refuse to let the outside things dictate the worth of the football team. But not everybody's as committed as you guys. There are some f- things we call fair weather fans, right? All of a sudden they put on a nice little Nebraska shirt, like, oh, we're doing good today. I want to root for them. Or maybe like uh, people like, especially the professional league, whatever team's doing the best, and it's Super Bowl time, guess what? You have the 50-50 split. This is the team I'm going to be on because they got a better team. They've got a better record. We have these fair-weather fans. Basically, the fans are saying, however I feel, however well they're performing, and whatever they're going to accomplish is going to raise their worth or lower it. And it's completely and directly related to Our feelings. Their performance, as it rises and falls, so does our fan base. So does their worth. That shouldn't be the case, should it? The corn huskers would say, no, we're in it all the time. Now, what if we took that same approach to our faith? What if we walked in here and said, well, that music's not very good. I'm not sure I'm going to be a good fan today of Reach Church. Well, that message really wasn't what I was expecting today. You could have done a better job. Or you know what? Maybe the circumstances outside those doors are dictating you're having a rough time. You're not, I mean, life's kind of got you down. Life's tough. And you're like, I'm just not in the mood to worship today. I'm not in the mood to be a part of this church. I don't really want to feel like shaking anybody's hands or giving a hug or opening up my Bible. The worth of God and our faith gets placed directly with our feelings. And that shouldn't be the case, right? God desires us to understand that our feelings cannot be driving us. He does not want that. God does not want us to be driven by our feelings. Because what if we said the same thing about marriage? I am far from perfect and you want to find out who knows the best? Ask my wife. Right? Ask my kids. Thankfully, they don't let their feelings dictate their worth of me. Dad failed. Dad messed up. But guess what? He still has value. He still has worth. And I'm still his greatest fan. Maybe you and your spouse don't get along so well all the time, right? Maybe when it comes to picking out a restaurant, right? That's usually when the most fights happen. (laughs) Throw a little hangry in there too. It gets real bad. What if we base those moments and our partner and our spouse, their worth was directly related to that moment. That wouldn't be a fair, would it? Not only wouldn't it be fair, but that's not what God wants. God wants us to stick it out. Stick it out. Because God wants our worship to be based not on our feelings, our preferences, or our circumstances, or even his performance in our eyes. He wants our worship to be based on God's worth. Period. Not your feelings. That's not how God designed us. Worship really means worth ship. So everybody say worship. Worship. There you go. So when we say worship, we actually mean worthship. It means worthy or honorable or in the state of being honorable or in the state of being worthy. So when you hear the word worship, we're thinking worship, And the good news is uh, we are about to begin, today is our first of a few weeks series on worship or worth-ship. And when our attitude on worship is right, it begins to shape our posture in worship, which sets us up to freely worship God. Now today we're going to be kicking it off. I have music and poetry today. So we're going to use Psalm 100 as our guide So if you have your Bible, could you please turn to Psalm 100? If you do not, our friendly ushers would love to gift you a Bible. Here at Reach Church, we believe that uh, the Word of God has all authority. So just simply raise your hand and follow along with us in Psalm 100. You can always look in the index to find that, but you can probably just put your thumbs together and open it up right in the middle and you'll probably be pretty close. But Psalm 100 will be our guide today. And over the next few weeks, as we dive into the worship series or worship series, we're going to be talking about sacrifices, worship God through sacrifices. We're going to be talking about worshiping God through prayer and fasting. It's not a popular subject on that one, is there? Fasting. It's biblical and it's also worship. And then we have a special wrap up with a guest speaker. Um, It's going to be good. Music finds its highest purpose when used as a tool to extol the greatness of God. It encourages, it teaches, it draws those who are far away close to God. Music has a way of breaking down barriers unlike any other thing. Poetry the same. Wasn't Russell's spoken word amazing? It is written. Hopefully that starts to well up something inside of you. We always like to say, man, I got goosebumps during worship today, right? That's the Holy Spirit being able to, man, we are bringing the greatest praise and adoration through music. It helps, gives voice to what's inside of us, not just it is written. It is written with purpose. So here we go Psalm 100. It's not very long, but it's very bold. And hopefully it will help us understand how and why music and poetry is vital to our worship with God. Psalm 100. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. God, we thank you that you are worthy. That you are worthy. God, may Psalm 100 be our guide this morning as we dig into what it means to worship, to praise. God, may we find our song, may we find our posture, and God, may you humble us this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Psalm 100, verse 1, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. This is where a lot of worship pastors love to use the phrase, make a joyful noise, because that's how another version has it, but that's literally what it means to make a joyful noise. No talent required, no skill required, no training required, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Did you know that all creators, all creations have a natural inclination to praise and worship? right we have a natural drive corn husker fans they're using that in the ability to root for 18 to 24 year old boys running around on a field Ah! but yet when we come in here it's almost like it's work i don't sing very well i don't have the training i'm not skilled enough i'll be off key i might ruin the song make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth, and what I love about this statement because it comes straight out, it's bold make a shout, be loud, be proud. Because when we do that, it's a call to all the earth that God needs to be the center of our priorities. So, if we were created to adore and praise and express ourselves, it only arises when our priorities are right and God is right in the center. But the scary thing is if God's not in the center, guess what we have the, we struggle with and we have the temptation to go over here and root for something else and praise something else because our priorities aren't right. That praise arises and expresses itself in other things, whether it be football, whether it be our kids, whether it be a hobby, whether it be our material things. If our priorities are not right, all the earth make a joyful noise. Claim that God is the center of my family, my marriage, my church, my ministry, my being. That's where praise arises. And it's natural. It is natural to praise. Your kid does a horrible job during their piano recital, right? And at the end of it, you do what? You did a great job, honey. Or you sit through a sixth grade middle school band concert. Whew. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no matter what, we sit there and when it's over, we give a shout of praise because we were designed and created to do just that no matter what is in front of us. We want to praise, we want to celebrate. But when your priorities are in order, when God is the center, guess where your praise and adoration and worship go? It goes to the one who is worthy. It goes to the one that is worthy. How awkward would it be if I asked you to give a shout to the Lord right now? (laughs) It's much louder in the stadiums. Stings a little bit, don't it? At the rec league soccer games, at the weddings, at the parties, at the cookouts. not very fun is it we are loudly proclaiming God is God when we make a shout sometimes when I'm up here singing I I get that I can't help it come on I can't help it because right there in that moment watching you guys worship the Lord in spirit and truth and as we sing out these scriptures I can't help but shout because God is worthy period it doesn't matter how I feel in that moment, whatever we're singing or whatever we're shouting, God is worthy. Verse 2 Worship the Lord with gladness, come before Him singing with joy. Now, that word worship there is actually translated really serve, serve the Lord with gladness. So, we were created and designed to give praise to God, it's a natural expression. But not just that, do you find joy in serving the Lord? Do you find joy in coming, uh, what's it say there? Come before him. Do you find joy when you come before him? So the real question is, when is the last time you actually came before the Lord? Another version says, come into his presence with singing. Singing. My friend, I'm here to tell you today, if you do not find joy in serving the Lord, it's going to be really hard to worship the Lord through song, through poetry. Do you find joy in the Lord? This is where the devil, man, I love that I work at a staff where they use the form of discouragement as encouragement. You know what I'm talking about? I love joy and I talk about it a lot and I couldn't help but squeeze it in here and Psalm 100 really helps me do that, okay? This is where the devil really starts to steal your joy, okay? So if I don't find joy in the Lord, where am I finding? And what the devil tries to do, he wants to steal it. So he tries to get you to place your joy in things that can be taken away meaning this meaning that i find joy in my children what if god takes that away do i still have joy in the lord i find joy in my spouse but god takes that away do i still that's tough isn't it what if i find joy in my hobbies or my friendships or my career or my skill or my talent or my money over and over. I could list all these things. Whatever you find you're in your joy. in, if it was taken away, do you still have joy? And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants, to, wants you to place things, place your joy in things that can be taken away. And I'm here to tell you, God wants you to place your joy in him. In him. So that way when you have joy in the Lord and you serve him with gladness and you come before him with singing. Whew, that's where God, he, oh, he just loves it because not only that it is a form of obedience it's not a requirement right there in that moment when you say i find joy in the lord i've come before him with singing it's not about our comfort it's about his praise when's the last now hold up when was the last time you've actually came before god and sang i'm not talking in here it's easy in here When is the last time you actually came before the Lord with a song? Over and over again in the scripture, God wants to give us a new song. Psalm 43 says this. 40 verse 3 says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. If God's working in your life, you can't help but have a new song rise up. You can't help it. Look at the Israelites when they crossed the Red Sea. What did they do when they got across? They sang. Mary, when she found out she had baby Jesus, she broke out in what? In song. Glory in the highest. When God does a new work in your life, you can't help but have a new song. And if you don't have a new song, then maybe you're not letting God do a new work. If you don't have a new song, maybe you're not letting God do a new work. Because it's not God. God wants to what? He wants to mold and shape you to look like his son Jesus. And it's going to look totally different than the world. And from that, from that being set apart is going to rise up. Just like the woman at the well. Living waters. I can't help but flow. I want to be a true worshiper. A true worshiper well I don't like to sing I'm not very good I don't like the songs you choose I don't like the radio station well guess what it's not about your preferences it's about God's presence worship is about God's presence and not our preferences do you know that sometimes we sing songs that I don't necessarily uh, are attracted to or in love with some of them grow on me over time but it's not about my preferences. It's about God's presence. Whatever song we want to sing, we want to make sure that we usher in the Holy Spirit to move and transform, to come into his presence with singing. She gets it. <laughs> Think about that. If I had to pick a song for everybody in here to please you, out of here and just the other day i picked a song that not everybody on our staff with they did not love it very much and i said well it wasn't for you <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for you so i want you all to understand when we pick songs it's not for you it's for him Amen. That's good. we worship because god is worthy period Not our feelings and not our preferences. Verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This is actually my favorite part. Hopefully I can make it through this. Worship, verse 3 starts to speak to God's character and who he is see we always want to talk about why we worship and how we worship but sometimes we forget about who we are worshiping the reason i shout the reason i dance and kind of move around is because i know the creator god that is written in the scriptures that i'm in love with that saved me and redeemed me and i can't help but shout so when it says acknowledge that the lord is god we are his He made us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Worship is about God's character and not our circumstances. Feelings, they help us. They they try to tempt us to make sure that we rise and lower with God's worth. Our preferences, they kind of put us in a box to say, well, I'm only going to worship in this. But circumstances are heavy. Whatever you're going through in life right now, legitimately could be a great reason not to sing right we could even justify it i don't feel like it this morning life's too hard i'm too broken and i could use many many scriptures and stories in the bible about where god was doing a work in somebody's life and their circumstances were horrible but they broke out in praise their circumstances to say hey it's okay not to do to worship god it's okay you're having a tough time But God says, No, worship is about my character, not your circumstances. Know that I am God, I am in control. That circumstance has nothing over you. Job, you give, you take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul and Silas, they were in prison. For preaching the gospel, yet they broke out in song. And what happened? God miraculously broke the shackles off of them and broke down the prison walls. And people were saved. But I'd rather use a personal story. My wife, Phoebe, gave me the permission to share. But last year at March, Phoebe's mama, or her grandma, (laughs) in the Midwest, I'm sorry. Grandma passed away. We knew it was we knew it was coming, we knew it was time and we tried to rush to Kentucky to get there before she passed away but we didn't make it but it was hard. And from Georgia to Kentucky, it's about 10 hours, 11 hours. I just played worship music for Phoebe. And she just sat there. Eyes closed. Hands up. Surrender to the Lord, because that circumstance was very tough. But through those songs and through those lyrics, through that poetry, it reminded her of God's character. When we sing, "You are Way Maker," do you believe it? It reminds us of His promises that He always keeps. It reminds us that He is the light in the darkness because worship is about His character. It is the only thing that can sustain us through the most difficult times. I watched it as she worshiped, it restored her. Did it take the pain away? No. Did she still hurt? Yes. But her worship wasn't based on her feelings. It wasn't based on her preferences or circumstances in that moment. Because God's character was enough to sustain her. She had to worship. She had to praise. Because God is worthy. When we sing, we are reminded of who God is, what he has done, is doing, can do. And will do. When we begin to understand and believe that worship is about God's worth and not our feelings, when we begin to understand that God's that worship to God is about his presence and not our preferences, and about his character and not our circumstances, then that attitude begins to shape and drive and form our actions, our posture. I know who I'm worshiping. I know why I'm worshiping. Now let's move into the how. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Do you want to worship? Do you want to praise? Then go to God. Enter his gates. Go to his courts. Go to God. If you're struggling with worship, first go to God. God, I need help. I want you to help me with my feelings. God, I want you to help me with my preferences. God, I want you to help me with my circumstances. But God, more importantly, I want you to remind me that you're worthy. That your worth trumps all of those things. God, help me out. And we go to God. God says, guess what? I got two things for you to really start worship. If you want more praise and worship in your life, I got two things. You ready? Be thankful. You know what the second one is? Be thankful. (laughs) It's so important. Be thankful. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Your thankfulness, your attitude of gratitude will feed your faith. And it can't help but well up and express itself in praise. So you want more praise in your life? Be thankful. You want to learn how to worship more? Be thankful. Be thankful. Give thanks. The command to praise the Lord is seen over 250 times in Scripture. Our praise, you might, see, we like to get real, rigid on certain things like don't do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. But we never really talk about praise. Do you know that praise is a command? So our praise is actually obedience to God. So whether you like it or not, we're supposed to praise. Thankfully, God created us to do that naturally. Right? We normally say praise equals worship, but actually praise this is really gonna bother some of you all. Y'all ready? Praise is a physical act of worship. Oh, man, I lost everybody there, didn't I? Ooh, I knew it was gonna get weird right here. The psalms weren't meant to be. They weren't just meant to be uh, meant to be read. Like shout to the Lord, all the earth. They were meant to be read, sang, shouted, clapped with music, with dance, all of it. Because praise is a physical act of worship. Oh, you had me till that point there, Caleb. That was good with everything else. I liked all that attitude stuff. But remember, attitude shapes and drives our actions. And your posture during worship matters. Your posture during worship matters when they translated the Old Testament, the Hebrew they actually translated the word praise from seven different words seven they all have a different meaning like love remember in the New Testament love was translated four different ways but we only got one word love but it has a deeper meaning right when we understand the original context and the root of the word and we're going to go through this real quickly But I think it's important for us to understand why we do what we do, why we should have posture during praise. The first one is halal. Uh, I'm going to keep losing you guys. It means to boast or to be clamorously foolish, to make foolish or to rave, to celebrate, to shine, to make a show. If that thing was mentioned one time in the Old Testament, I wouldn't even bother. But halal, the one that means that we need to express ourselves the most, it is actually mentioned 165 times and 140 verses in the Old Testament. It is the most common phrase and translation for praise in the Old Testament. How many people do you know halal? To be clamorous, clamorously foolish. I love that we just finished up 1 Samuel. And you were encouraged to start on 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel was Saul, right? 2 Samuel, David. And in 6. You know what? Let's go there real quick. I want to make sure that you don't take my words. Let's go back. 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel chapter 6. It will not be on the screen. I do apologize. But thankfully you have a Bible in your hand. Gifted by Reach Church. 2 Samuel 6. We're going to go straight to verse 14. Mm, I love it. These aren't my words. These are the words of God. The moving of the ark to Jerusalem. We're going to go to verse 14. And it says this. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Wearing a priestly garment. He wasn't wearing a diaper or anything, okay? He was actually ephod. He was, he was halfway decent. But for a, royal, for a man of royalty, he was dressed down into his linens, basically. He danced before the Lord. Now, I won't do this, but what do you think that looked like? Could you show me? You know, like, I don't, I don't know what that would look like. And I think that's okay. Because I think if we did, we would try to replicate it. But that's how David did it in the moment. Right? Because David danced before the Lord. God was doing a new work in David, and a new song arose, and he couldn't help but halal. But not everybody loved that. Woo! Verse 20. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, that's his wife, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust. How distinguished the king of Israel looked today shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Caleb, what are you dancing around for? You look like an idiot up there. You're halal. It's bothering me. Well, David says this. Verse 21, David reported to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. That is very important right there. I'll just read that one more time. I was dancing before the Lord. Who chose me above your father and all his family? Might be a little jab there. (laughs) (laughs) He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. Who was he dancing for? for the lord who are you not dancing for when we halal the reason sometimes our worship is restricted our praise is restricted is because we care about what everybody else thinks man they're going to think i'm super spiritual I mean, that's just one arm. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) David danced before the Lord. My halal, whatever it looks like, it isn't for you. But it's only because David knew who he was worshiping to. It doesn't matter what you all say or think. You know what? I'll even make a bigger fool of myself. You think that's bad? I can top that. Halal. Woo. Yada is another one. It means surrender, and Todah is another one. They're kind of hand in hand, but they actually mean arms out, arms extended. It's a sign, a universal sign for what? Surrender and adoration. Okay? So a lot of us, we're pretty, pretty, pretty comfortable with that in here, right? Lord. But posture matters because I'm not doing it for anybody else when we lift our hands to the king of kings and the lord of lords the alpha the omega that's why halal that's why ayada that's why atodah because I don't care what you think I only care that God is worthy to be praised tehillah it means praise basically but it really means for something specific we always like to say PTL praise the lord PTL A.D., praise the Lord all day? Okay, praise the Lord But I'm talking a real praise. I'm talking, Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning, giving me breath. You are the creator of the universe. You have breathed breath into my lungs. You have created me on purpose and for a purpose. And I'm on mission. And I'm going to be the community that exists for people to encounter your son Jesus and have their lives changed forever. Praise the Lord. That's a lot different, ain't it? God, thank you for provision when there was no provision. God, thank you for your comfort when I was in a difficult circumstance. Praise the Lord. Get specific. That goes back to that Thanksgiving. Be specific. Zamar is another one. Zamar. To touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument to play upon it. Now, this one probably does require a little skill. Okay, so I'm going to set everybody free. Don't go home and buy a guitar or some drums and say, Pastor Caleb said, we're supposed to be doing this. Not everybody's gifted in that area. But if you want to give a try, God can equip you. You can do it. It's going to take some practice. But think about our worship band up here. What they do in week in and week out. They're making praise to God. you all realize that? When we get to an instrumental, you're like, man, that part didn't have no words. Well, that's okay because that's still worship. Amen. Let the melody just fall over you. Because they're not playing for you. They're playing before the Lord. You see how this changes things for us on Sunday mornings? Oh, I got some bad news. Forget Sunday mornings. Where are these things happening in your home? That's right. Where are they happening in your car, at your job? Would your co say, that's a halal guy right there. <laughs> well, is that your yada today? I see a little tequila. Not to be mistaken for tequila, Okay. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, then we got Shabak Shabak to address in a loud tone. This is actually, this happened at Joshua, with Joshua at the walls of Jericho. Could you imagine the people walking around? Oh man, I don't feel very good today. But Joshua said we're supposed to shout, so I guess I'll shout. <sighs> When's he gonna say it? Do you think he'll say it today? Oh, he didn't something shout? Woo! <laughs> and guess what happened? god provided god broke down the walls because of what not just their shout but their obedience not just their shouts it was the obedience and god said you know what i will honor that i will bless that and even if god didn't break down the walls guess what we're still called to do praise we're still supposed to shout and then last is Barak. This is means to kneel or to bow down. When's the last time you've prayed like this? When's the last time that you've come before the Lord like this? remember, praise is a command. You know what that does right now? That brings a little humility, doesn't it? You know the one thing that really keeps you from praising God the way you were created to? Pride. That's right. That's right. I can never look like David. I can never be undignified. What are they going to think of me? You've already missed it. You've already missed it. I am before the Lord, the God Almighty. It does not matter what I think about myself in that moment. It doesn't matter what you think about me. It is about God and his worth alone. What would our church look like? Y'all ready? What would our church look like if we started to actually praise with our posture. No judgment. What if we all just went before the Lord on our own? Now we could do it together collectively here on Sundays. But what our church look like if Monday through Saturday we were coming before the Lord. And we were expressing ourselves through praise out of obedience. And then we show up on Sunday. Man you couldn't even contain this place. You couldn't. You could not contain this place. And you would say, what do you think the non-believers are going to uh, uh, say? What do you think the outside world is going to They're going to say, man, those people praise God no matter what. They don't care about their feelings. They don't care about their preferences. And they definitely don't care about their circumstances. They're the people that worship God because he is worthy. We can't help it. our attitude about worship it starts to shape our actions and our posture and then it's going to turn into attributes verse five for the lord is good i love how it wraps up right here just a quick reminder for the lord is good his unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation Wouldn't you love to have the attribute of somebody who foolishly praises God? Now, maybe some of you don't. Maybe some of you are scared by everything I just went through. Like, oh, Physical act. Are you kidding me? Now, if you raise your hands or if you dance before, if you dance today or if you kneel down today and you do it because I said so, you've already missed it. But if you do it because you're coming before the Lord, God bless you. Praise God. Wouldn't you love to have the attributes because of your attitude and your posture and your actions to have the attributes of somebody who praises God no matter what? I love this. For the Lord is good. He's watching out for your best interest. Why would you not praise him? When people look at your worship, does it point to that God is good? His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. I may be reaching just a little bit here, but do you know how you worship why will have family ramifications. Dads, we put on the attire, we spend the money, and we go act like a fool at sporting events. But yet we step in here and we come into these seats before the God Almighty, the Creator, the Alpha, the Omega, and we look bored out of our minds. And we expect our sons and our daughters and our wives to follow in our footsteps. Well, I wonder why we're in such disarray. How come you ain't worshiping right? How come you ain't raising your hands? Moms, are you worshiping at home as you raise the kids? Dads, are you worshiping at home as you raise the kids? Because how you worship, they're going to learn how to worship from you. And if yours looks based on feelings, preferences and circumstances you are setting up your child for a huge disappointment when it comes to these doors when we come in here like man it's bad outside so we ain't got nothing in here but when your worship as a mom as a dad is based on god's worth your kids get that The bank account's empty. Mom and dad, one of them just lost their job. The car broke down. Whatever you can go wrong can go wrong. But yet we still show up and mom and dad still what? They still praise. Because God is worthy. Don't you want that attribute? At At your memorial service, your celebration of life. Man, my dad praised the Lord. No matter what. My mom served the Lord with gladness because her attitude was right which drove her actions and her posture and now she has the attribute of a woman who loves God and celebrates and praises no matter what anybody else thinks. So now what? I have one challenge. Actually, not even a challenge simply praise you're like how do i do this what's that look for look like, what does that look like in my life i'm saying literally praise you need to try it like, i don't like the songs it's not about your preferences well i'm not skilled or talented enough make a joyful noise do i need to go back over the whole sermon again <laughs> God. praise Praise God through the music, through the poetry. Don't don't stuff it down. You were naturally created. I know some of y'all secretly tap your foot. <laughs> you know who you are? I'll take that. But who cares what I'll take, right? It is not for me. It's for the Lord. So check your attitude. Find a song. Now if you can't find a song, you need to write one. If God's doing a new work in your life, woo, then you've got a new song. And then fix your posture. Praise is meant to be expressed. And then when you do those things, you can humbly and freely worship the Lord. You don't care what anybody else thinks. A.W. Tozer says this, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Do you know that our worship here on earth, we can consider it practice for heaven, but it's really just a glimpse, a small glimpse of what heaven's gonna be like If you would turn to Revelation 4 with me. Right now there's a song being sung in heaven. And the band's going to come out and they're going to help me lead this song. And as your worship pastor, I want to lead the way in all things. But I don't want to miss this moment we're about to have. Because God has been setting us up for this moment. You're not here by accident. You all realize that? You are not here by accident. So if our worship is a glimpse of heaven, what song are they actually singing? So John is writing this. He's he's been given a glimpse of heaven. And there's these beings and there's these 24 elders that are laying around or, or sat around the throne of the Most High there's lightning, there's thunder that's coming from the throne because the Most High is sitting on it. The God that you and I are claiming to worship now is who John's talking about. And then in verse 8, we're just going to jump in right there. Each of these living beings, verse, chapter 4, verse, six, verse 8. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were all covered with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying... Holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor to thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy. O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Check your attitude. Find a song and fix your posture. When you do those, you can humbly and freely worship God. And I'm inviting you right now to join us in that song. You may not have it, But it literally just says you are worthy of it all. And there's also another part that talks about let the incense arise. Now, we're not going to start lighting candles and incense in here. But throughout Scripture, our worship is considered a fragrance to God. It's a fragrance to God. So how you worship, is it pleasing to the Lord? Are Are you stuffing your praise down? Is your pride keeping you from Halal? From Barak? We're going to join in with the heavens right now. When we get to heaven, we won't help. We can't help but praise God because we will be in the presence of the mighty one. You know what the good news is? We can have that now. Because the same spirit that resurrected Christ, the same Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father, the God Almighty lives in you and me if you believe in Jesus. Check your attitude. Find a song and fix your posture. I'm going to ask Russell to pray for us right now in this moment as we prepare to join in with the heavens.